We talked last time, we'll get back to our study here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We talked <clears throat> the last time I was here about leaders and, you know, that we need to recognize and see those leaders that are in the church that he said are among you and that are over you. And leaders need encouragement. It's not an, always an easy job to be a leader in the church. I wish I could say it was a great and easy profession. It's not either of those. Not any of those. Well, it is great. But it's not easy and it's not a profession. It's something that God has to, you know, put in you. And, and sometimes it's, you know, you carry a lot of things that, that are just difficult. And so you need to pray for your leaders, and we talked about all these things. That, but, but also for the leader, we saw that Jesus said to be over is to serve. To be over is actually to be under and to be an example. And, and then he finishes with that thought there in verse uh, 13, to live in peace with each other. And that isn't always easy. Today, what I want to talk about is, is this idea that one size doesn't fit all in chapter uh, 5, verse, verse uh, 14. You know those clothes that they advertise, they say, you know, you just buy one size fits all. It's going to fit everyone. Like, how could that possibly be? You know, it's unless it's made out of some kind of real stretchy material. And, you know, when you get it out of the box, it's like this big for, to fit the smallest person. And then it stretches out to like this big. I can't imagine uh, that they would really work because we are all different and we need to find something that fits. My wife's making fun of me half the time that I'm wearing clothes that don't even fit me. And I say, I don't really care, but sometimes I went through my closet and, and uh, you know, it was just too much junk in there. So I went through and tried things on and got rid of all the stuff that didn't fit and kept the stuff that did. And that's not always easy to do because especially if they're smaller stuff and you think, I'm going to keep that because someday I'm going to get back into that. Someday I am. And uh, you think of how much you spent for those clothes and you think, I've got I to hold on to that. One size doesn't fit all. Someone else said, you know, that Paul's advice in this passage was that we need to use the right medicine. You know, if you have a headache, you, you don't take... An antibiotic, right? I mean, maybe you do because you think that you need it. And, and... But if you have a headache, usually you take some kind of an aspirin or, or something. If you have an infection, you take an antibiotic. And it's the doctor's job, right, to know. That's his job to know who needs what. And it's not always easy. That's why they say the doctors are practicing medicine. Sometimes they get it right. A lot of times, hopefully, and hopefully your doctor gets it right. But they're just, they're just practicing. They're trying to figure it out, too. It's not always easy. We are all different. Every one of us is different. Isn't that good? You, you know, some churches, they, they want everybody to be all the same and look the same. We dress the same. We all wear the same suits and ties. We all, you know, wear these kinds of clothes. We ha all have the same haircut. I wish I could get in on that. I really do. You know, I, I, this is a little divergent, but if, if, if I could just go to one of those places that, that do the plugs and all that, 
you know, how would you, let me just prepare you for that. How would you think if I just came in one day and I had like all this real hair? Would it be okay with you? Can you imagine that? How would you do that? I'm just going to show up one day. I'm going to go on a little vacation for a couple of weeks and come back and I got all this hair. Like, how would you do that? If you did it, you'd have to go move to another city somewhere where no one knew you. Or they would be laughing at you like someone over here said. Don't laugh at me, whoever said that. But we're all different, right? We all have different personalities, different situations, different lives, different things we face in life. We all have different needs. Remember that saying said, different strokes for different folks. And, and it is true that not one size fits all except one, as we'll see in this passage. Let's read verse 14 together. And we urge you, brothers, to warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and we do pray that you would uh, reach each one of us individually as we are all different. We're here together, but we're all individuals, and, and you know our hearts. You, you know us uh, in the deepest parts of who we are, and I pray that you would uh, meet us where we are and who we are. Use your word, Lord. Help us to understand and to hear in Jesus' name. I have somewhat of a four-point sermon. I know that's not actually uh, correct to have a four-point sermon. You really should have a three-point sermon. But some of these guys I listen to on the radio, they have like 20-point sermons. I don't know how they, they do that because no one is gonna, ever going to remember 20 points, right? You'd be lucky. Truth is, you'd be lucky if you remember one, right? Unless I showed you a lot of pictures. They say people are real visual and They'll remember if they show the pictures. But I, I, I'm not smart enough to figure out what pictures would go with what, so I, I apologize for that. But this four-point sermon here, he talks about four different situations, four different kinds of people, four different prescriptions, so to speak. And, and he says the one is the idle or unruly. Some versions have it. He talks about those that are timid. He talks about those that are weak. And then number four is everyone. And we, of course, we all fit into number four. And some of us were kind of like a mixture of, of a lot of different things, right? I mean, when you read those, some of you say, well, that, that sounds like me. And then you say, well, but that sounds like me too. Well, I'm a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And, and we are, we're complicated. We're, we're kind of all mixed up or a mixture. We're mixed up too, but one of the verses that I have always felt uh, as part of this ministry is, is Proverbs 24. I'll quote it to you. He says, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. And that's us. That's you. That's me. We're rare and beautiful treasures, each unique, rare and beautiful he starts off in this verse by saying this. He says he had just talked about leaders. But then in <clears throat> verse 14, and he says, And we urge you, brothers, to do something. In other words, it's not just the leaders that have to do things. It's really all of us. This is a, they, they, they coined this term body life, someone pointed out. 
that, that we're all called to kind of be involved in this. And the things that he's saying here now is for all of us to participate in. Not just the pastor, not just the leaders, but, but every one of us, each one of you, you have a part to play. One, one person wrote this, each member doing his or her share of the work. You see, because the leaders can't do it all. They just can't. In fact, the, the, the uh, message in Ephesians chapter 4 is, says that the leaders' jobs are to prepare and equip God's people to do the work of the ministry, to, to do what needs to be done. Not to do it all, not to be it all, but, but that, that all of us would be involved in it and the leaders just to kind of help coach and get everybody on the field, everybody involved, everybody doing something, everybody being a part of, of what's going on. So when you read these things here, keep that in mind because it's not, he's not saying, well, this is what the leaders should do. This is what all of us should do for one another. The first thing here, and these are uh, what they call imperatives. And uh, I'm not a Greek scholar, but uh, you know, I can read from Greek scholars and they explain some of these things and it, it makes it clear. So an imperative is something that must be done, Right? He says the first one here is, he says to warn those who are idle or warn the unruly. And, and this term that he was talking about here was used about soldiers who would leave the ranks. They were supposed to be in the ranks marching along with everybody else, but they kind of wandered out. And they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. That's kind of where this, the, these two terms, the, the idle and the unruly, kind of come out of the understanding of that. They, they, they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were idle. But they were also unruly because they, 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 were, they were fighting against the place that they were supposed to be marching with the rest of the ranks. They were out of step. They were out of order. One man said this, those who, who won't keep in step but insist on disturbing the peace by their irresponsible behavior. Here, he's talking about those who were, would refuse to work. Some, we, we mentioned this earlier, some stopped working because they thought and they believed Jesus was coming again immediately, soon. And that's right, he is. As far as we know, it could be tonight, it could be tomorrow. But that doesn't mean we go out and quit our jobs and, and just sit around waiting for it, and as some actually have done, even in our recent history. <clears throat> he says to warn those, to put, put in mind, think about this. What are you doing to caution them? Like, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're just kind of like going out there and doing your own thing. You're not thinking about anybody else except yourself and and. and and there's a time that people need to be warned. They need to be cautioned. Sometimes we all need that. Isn't that true? But usually, we don't want to hear it. Right? If I'm out doing something that, you know, I'm just doing, I'm, I've stepped out, I'm doing my own thing, I'm out of order, I don't really want someone coming and telling me, you know what, hey, of course it depends on how they say it to me as well. It's not easy to talk to people about what they're doing, about behavior. It's never easy. But sometimes it has to be done. He says it's an imperative here. Sometimes it's actually better when it doesn't come from a leader, but it comes from someone who is like, you know, one of your friends. 
It's easier to swallow. It's easier to take it in. Now, I know that thinking, just thinking about this, there are some people who take this on themselves and say, this is my ministry now. I've got to go around and warn everybody about everything. And, and, you know, that's not really that cool. I don't think that, you know, maybe that is your ministry, but, you know, you just go around slamming everybody for every little thing that they do or don't do. Like, and there's no love in the picture either. Think about that. But there is a time, the right time, the right thing, in the right way, in the right time. Number two, point number two, he says here to encourage the timid. Now you have, again, different groups of people or different um, situations in people's lives. The, the second one he talks about is to encourage the timid. Those that are faint-hearted, the word means. Those maybe that are lacking confidence. Those that are discouraged. Those that are just, they're overcome by like what's going on. And they don't think that, that, they, you know, that they're going to be able to go on. They're just faint-hearted. And they need to be encouraged. They need to be comforted. They need to be consoled. And you can usually tell when a person needs this. You can usually tell. You can almost see it. Now, the problem is, of course, that we're all so busy and we think, you know what, I see that that person is like not doing too well today, but, you know, I really got to get home and watch the game. So for me to take time to like ask them how's, how it's going and then say, no, tell me really how it's going after they say, oh, good. And you can tell, you can just see. But you know what? Games come and go, people, family, situations. Warren Wiersbe points out that this word for encouragement, the literal meaning of this word is near speech. Near speech, that you actually get close and speak to them. And, and what he says is to get close and speak tenderly. It means to come alongside and like, and like get close to a person. It's not always easy to do. And I don't necessarily mean like physically. You know, I get my grandkids and I, and I like get right in their face and say, am I getting in your personal space? And they go, what? Like they don't know what that means. And so I'm teaching them about, you know, sometimes you don't get in someone's personal space. It doesn't mean, some people like that. They just like, they're talking to you and they get really close and you go like, whoa, get back. You have to be sensitive to where the person is, but, but to be sensitive to kind of like what they're going through and, and say, you know what, hey. And say it maybe quietly so that no one else is like hearing. Like, hey, you okay? You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through. You're going to, you feel faint-hearted now, but you know what, you're, you're going to be okay. And, I, and I'll be praying for you, and I'll be with you. Let me pray for you right now. Sometimes we're, we're all get to that place, isn't it true? Where our hearts are just faint. We're discouraged. And we need some courage. And he says here that we're to give it to each other. Of course, of course it, the, the, the true courage comes from God, but it comes through people more often than not. It comes through one another more often than not, where we kind of encourage one another. 
How about point number three, if you're keeping track? <clears throat> it's not hard to keep track when there's only four, right? We're already on point number three. He says to help the weak. And, and basically the weak means the weak. And it, it literally means strengthless. Those that don't have any strength. Don't have any strength. And, and how many times have you felt like that? At times like that is that's when we need help. That's when we, we need help, not warning. You know? Again, that we're in different situations and we're in different places and, and, and different medicines and different sizes fit different people. We can't just, you know, blast in there with some exhortation. Well, you need to buck up and, and get it together because you are, you know... No, when someone is in that place, they need help. They need someone to come and help them, support them, actually to grab a hold of them, it means, to hold fast, to hold on to them, to wrap your arms around them, cling to them, someone said. When we're weak, we can't do it on our own. Maybe we're spiritually weak. Maybe we're emotionally weak and maybe even physically weak. We just don't have any strength left. Of course, we're not always willing to admit it, Sometimes we need to tell someone, listen, you know what, I, I just am, I've got no strength. I just can't do it. And so for us to step in and help out, let me help. Let me help. Maybe I can help physically. Maybe I can help spiritually. Maybe I can help in some way. Again, this is what we need to do for each other. We have the unruly, the idle. We have the timid and we have the weak. And point number four, he says, be patient with everyone. This is something that does fit all. This is something that each one of us, every one of us needs is patience. We need some patience. Isn't it true? You know, we can warn somebody, we can encourage them, we can help them. But in the end, we need to give time. We need to have patience to allow God to work. Give them some time to see God work. We, we, we're in this instant kind of society and thinking. We expect immediate results. And sometimes we, you know, we, we might be helping someone and, we, and they're not responding. We're, we're encouraging them or, or we're even warning them. And, and they're not responding like immediately like we would expect. But the truth is that it doesn't happen overnight with me. It doesn't happen overnight with you, so why would you and I expect it in someone else? We want patience. We want people to be patient. I want people to be patient with me that I, I'm learning. I'm getting there slowly but surely. And, and sometimes we expect more from other people than we even expect from ourselves. It's not saying that we should let it go on forever and ever, but to have patience with each other. He said, with everyone. Patience, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Patience, a characteristics of, of love in 1 Corinthians 13, an attribute of God as well. So, thinking about that, we're going to have communion in a minute, but I, I want to uh, ask you to be thinking about this for yourself. Kind of where do you fit in? Maybe it's another category that isn't even on here, but you know that you are, you're, you're in need. And, and you know what, you, you don't expect, 
And, and, and you shouldn't expect just this one answer to be the answer for every single person. But what is it that you need that, that God might want to give you? Or maybe, what is it that you can give to someone else? As, as, as God would just open your eyes to see someone else and what they're going through, their lives, their needs, their hurts. Or maybe they're being unruly or, or out of step. This is a job that we got to share. That's all I'm saying here. This is a job that we all got to do with each other. This is life that we take care of each other and minister to each other. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it does cut through to the hearts of who we are, Lord. And how many of us have not been unruly and idle? And how many of us have not been timid and faint-hearted? And how many of us have not been weak? Lord, I don't know each person here, but, but you do, you see, you know. And, and I pray right now that you would, you would begin to work these things in us and, and help us, Lord, by your Spirit, but also through the family, through the family, the family of God, the family we have here today. Father, meet us here today, Lord. We, 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 as we even come up to the point of the cross, Lord, as, as we come together to the cross, that you would heal, that you would encourage, that you would and even exhort us. Maybe we need to get some things together and we need to get, it, get, get on board, get in step. Father, you, you know. Father, I just got to leave that to you. But again, I, I pray for each one of us that we would not pass up the opportunities to receive and, the, and the, also the opportunities to give to one another. Father, I want to pray this morning as well, especially before we partake communion, that, that each one of us would be ready for heaven, that, that there's one thing that does fit all, it's the cross, and that it, that, that it, is, it is the answer, the cure. We're all sick. We are all sick, and we need to be cured, and the only cure is Jesus Christ on the cross where he died for our sins, where he paid the price that we should pay. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would be ready as we, as we prepare to partake of this remembrance of the cross until you return. I pray for each person here that they would know in their hearts that they have trusted the Savior, Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to, in your own heart, to, to cry out to him. If you have not, cry out to him and say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you for the love that you showed at the cross, that you died for me, that you paid my price, that I believe in you, that I might have the hope and the promise of eternal life, everlasting life, because of what you did, not because of what I do, but because of what you did. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.